Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. Good. Still a little warm. Yeah, a little but, warm. Tell me about it. But uh, some people where it's a little cooler or a little wetter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, you know, we have to put up all these weather changes and, you know, it's the end of times. Yeah, you know, that's for, right. It's all, all wonderful stuff for the radicals. Yeah. And then there's pretty good arguments on the other side that if you look out a little bit more than maybe 10 years or 20 or 30 or 40 years, all of a sudden how radical it is isn't quite as radical yeah, as, no as they're trying to scare people. Yeah. Sort of the scare tactic is a tool that big government always use it, whether it's sure. to get you into war or get you to everybody to run off and take a vaccine, which turns yeah. out to be a, a deadly weapon. Yeah, <laughs> so, no but right, right, right now, <clears throat> things were accelerated a little bit over there in this ongoing war, which was supposed to last a couple months. Yeah. And we suggested at that time, uh, we'll be lucky if we can get out of there in a couple of years. And it was the same old stuff as that we went through so often under Bush. But it goes to show that whether you have a, a Democrat president or a Republican president, and even though they're fighting tooth and nail in the Congress, it's still the wars go on. The wars go on. And even though they're still fighting over that budget, my guess is that the the uh, military budget is not going to have to suffer from any cuts, and this this nonsense is going to continue. Well, that's what I see this happening today. Uh, the the uh, article we picked from uh, Zero Hedge was Russia terminates Black Sea grain deal. Ah, you mean they have economic policies involved in these war policy? Wheat prices spike as extent of Crimea bridge terrorist attack revealed. They attack the bridge again. So uh, this is deadly and it's a pretty important bridge. It's between Crimea and Russia. So that's a, that's a significant bridge. But it hasn't been blown up, and I think last time they repaired it rather quickly, and they'll yeah. probably get this repaired. And, uh, and I think there's not a whole lot of argument of who, who did this one. You know, it, uh, it, was, uh, it, probably, uh, it was probably Ukraine, in a way, part of NATO, yes, a part of the United States, because yeah. it's probably our weapons and our support for it that did that. But then again, they also would like to work deals on. They had a UN agreement that was about to expire where uh, the Ukrainians could get some meat, uh, some grain out, yeah. which, which if you had some common sense, uh, that uh, that shouldn't be too difficult to agree to. But anyway, that got canceled, and rightfully so, if you're enemy blows up your bridge yeah. and you're pretending to help them out by uh, letting you, the grain go through their territory that they become annoyed so i think the big point here is that uh, <clears throat> war so often involved a lot of economic harm and difficulties and this one especially two big items gas blowing up the gas line was a big deal yeah. and now uh, they had made an attempt to keep the keep the grain flowing for humanitarian reasons for the help of the ukrainians and uh and and russia participating in it. well that all sort of got canceled last night and, and russia got out of that deal so it remains to be seen how soon uh, the ukrainian uh, wheat will flow but uh heck we could sort of watch the price of a loaf of bread and see if wheat prices go up yeah yeah <laughs>
it's a big deal. Well, here's the Washington Post's <coughs> take. And the last time the bridge uh, was blown up, the Ukrainians were a little bit more coy about admitting it. This time they seem a bit more open. If we can put that first one up, this is the Washington Post. And their article is, Ukraine attacked Crimean bridge, official says. Russia says grain deal is being terminated. As you point out, Dr. Paul, and go to the next one. Just a little bit more info on what happened and what it means. Um, this is the headline that you read. Um, it's talking about wheat prices jumped as news broke Monday that Russia will let the UN brokered grain deal lapse at midnight Istanbul time. Uh, there's no more talks about the grain deal now after the attack on the Kerch State uh, Strait Bridge. Um, they say Russia tells UN shipping agency that end of the Black Sea grain deal means guarantees <coughs> of safety of navigation issued by Russia will be revoked. And that's significant because a lot of those ships were going around Odessa and Russia had been refraining from military operations in the area because of that. So that means there'll be some uh, area for Russian military actions over there. Now do one more if you can. Now this is the same Washington Post article with a little bit of explanation. Um, Ukrainian military and intelligence agencies are responsible for the attack of the bridge, said the Washington Post. This was stated to the newspaper by a Ukrainian official on condition of anonymity. He said, Ukraine used surface drones to, to attack the bridge, an important supply artery for the <coughs> Russia's operations. The newspaper wrote that the grain deal, which allowed Ukrainian grain to be shipped from the Black Sea ports, has been terminated until Russian's demands are met. Well, here's an example of the Russian reaction. This is Maria Zakharova. She is the spokesperson of the, of the uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Russia, and she says the attack on the Crimean Bridge was reported by the Kiev regime. The decision on the attack was made by Ukrainian officials and the army, and I've underlined this part with the participation of the American and British intelligence services. So the Russians are saying, yes, Ukraine attacked it, but they had intelligence, they had guidance from the U.S., UK and NATO. So their perception, whether they're right or wrong, is that this is at least by proxy a NATO attack on this bridge. You know, when uh, this war started, we uh, urged not to expand it because there's a lot of times unattended consequences. There are accidents, false flags, all these things that expand the war. Now, I was just thinking about, wonder what this one is. I don't think you could put it in the category of unintended. It looks like it yeah. was very intended, thinking that somebody's going to benefit from this. And uh, it, it, it wasn't an accident. It was very deliberate. Uh, so this one follows in the category, no big surprise that yeah. dumb things are done. It uh, it's really comes up uh, from the fact that uh, so many countries in the world believe so strongly and uh, the only way you can settle anything is by force and intimidation and, uh, and, and, and trying to you know, get more from the opposition. And so we, we, we're not surprised things like this happen. Uh, but. I guess the the one the one thing uh, should concern us all uh, is when it gets out of control. This might be a controlled uh, strategy, you yeah. know. But 
but uh, one of these days, one big bomb might uh, might be lobbed and a lot of people killed, and then there'll be no holding back. And I think in some ways, uh, <clears throat> some people are just trying to provoke Russia into doing this so they can blame Russia for everything. Yeah. But uh, so far, they haven't had that overreaction, uh, and yet there is a super reaction here at home with the propagandists because they've been able to, to paint Russia as the culprit and uh, I don't know whether there's any good polling on that but uh, my guess would be that the that the propagandists here in this country have achieved what they wanted uh, this has nothing to do with NATO <laughs> yeah NATO uh, being, being at fault yeah well the, I think the question people would have would be why would they attack the bridge now they didn't take it out completely it's obviously gonna need some repairs who knows how long it'll take uh, so why would they do it uh, and be so proud about it. Well, the counteroffensive has, to this point at least, failed. Unless something major happens, they've run out of ammunition. I was looking at a report that I think 30% of the Bradley fighting vehicles that were delivered for it are, are out of commission. I think some 20. I think the Washington Post or New York Times or something reported 20% of all the material sent to them since the counteroffensive uh, was launched a month ago are out. They've lost an approximately 20,000. Uh, men in arms from this so it's not going well they're losing uh, the equipment they're losing the military might that they need the men especially that they need so this is definitely takes people's attention away from the failure on the battlefield it's a spectacular thing uh, you look at a damaged bridge you know it kind of takes your breath away um, the bridge is important yes it, it does transport a lot of material from uh, this part of Russia to Crimea which is a peninsula as we know. But, you know, I was listening to Brian, Brian Berletic, who does a new Atlas podcast on my way over this morning, and he does make a couple of good points. Yeah, of course, it makes transportation very much easier and efficient. But from 2014, when, you, when Crimea voted to rejoin Russia until the bridge's completion in 2018, uh, that uh, peninsula was still supplied by Russia. Uh, and they used ferries, they used airports, because they didn't have the <laughs> land corridor that they have now either. So no, no land corridor, no bridge. They still were able to supply it for those four years. So yes, it's important, but not of critical importance, I think. And then the third thing I would say, and you, you suggested it too, is these surface drones. Who made them, where did they came, come from, and how will Russia react if they say made in the UK or made in the US? How, 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 I guess in other words, how close does NATO have to come to this before there's some kind of Russian reaction? And maybe as you said just now, maybe that's the point, to provoke Russia into an overreaction. A lot of big questions. You know, when, and the debate of, uh, you know, the NDAA, which is ongoing and it's a mess, uh, it, this subject has come up, you know, why are we spending so much money on Ukraine when we could be spending it at home? And that sort of argument. But it's interesting that they put into the bill and it passed, the part that passed, it said that no future president can talk about getting out of NATO. <laughs> <laughs> so not that it happened, but it does go to show that uh, in spite of all the fighting and arguing, that there is going to be uh, a place where they're going to come together. And that's why uh, we can't have high expectations but the debate is good and eventually we'll have to because we're, we're going to run out of money but uh or we'll run out of uh, value of our dollar which is the same thing yeah so but uh i thought i don't i wonder how often they've ever done that and i kept thinking 
Well, can they really regulate the president from doing that? And uh, I know they have the power of the purse and they could uh, deny well, deny it, but I'm just wondering whether if they put money in there for the operation, yeah. whether they can force the president to spend that money. <laughs> you know what I saw when I... <laughs> But I thought when I saw that, it sort of reminded me of the Berlin Wall. I mean, if Berlin is so great, why did they build a wall and not let people get out? <laughs> yeah. So if NATO is so great, why would you have to write a law to say we can never get out of it? You know, <laughs> If it was you know, providing us all these wonderful things, you wouldn't have to write a law like that. So they kind of <laughs> shot themselves <laughs> well, in the foot. You know, my concern about in the debate about the wall between Mexico and the U.S., and I understand the, the border squabbles and where the problems are, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned about it because someday I'm afraid they'll use that wall to keep us in yeah, no <laughs> and in some way financially that's what they're that's what they're working on because you can't you can't just pick up and find a few Federal Reserve notes and walk out of the country yeah. or, or you're in big trouble and that's what they're doing with NATO building that wall to keep us in yeah that seems weird well I want to just say one other thing which I, I don't know uh, what it means but this is the official Twitter page of the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense. Now, I'll say that the only deaths, thankfully, there wasn't a lot of civilian deaths, but it was one family. Uh, they were going on vacation, uh, a husband, a wife, and a 14-year-old daughter. Uh, the, both of the parents were killed in this attack. And there's some gruesome video that I do not suggest anyone look at uh, right after the attack was made. But sadly, the, the girl did survive, but she's in the hospital now. So you have a you know, if there are legitimate tar military targets, of course, but you do have a family that's been destroyed because of that. And here's what the Def Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, here's what they commented on the murder of this family. They said, the number of potential domestic summer tourist destinations for Russians is falling with alarming regularity. And so they're actually making a joke out of the fact that they killed a family on the way to vacation and you'd say this is a spoof account. No, this is the official page of the Ministry of Defense. I would say at the least, Dr. Paul, that's in bad taste. Uh, that's, yeah. that's trolling. And I, it's, this is war. All sides do it. But I found that to be, in particular, bad taste. So we'll keep an eye on what this means and what happens. What will the escalation be? Last time they hit the bridge, uh, the Russians launched the biggest volley of, of missiles, a volley of missiles that they had to that point. What will they do now? Will, will there be a lot of pressure on Putin to react strongly? Uh, you know, because the pressure comes from him not to settle down, but to get even uh, more aggressive. So I think in the next few days, it'll be very interesting to see. You, you know, it's going to be reflected in the Republican primary races because oh, yeah. there are more of the Republicans speaking out and taking a position closer to ours. And at, at the same at the same time, there's still the control of the money and it's still the military industrial complex. And there's there are, you know, disagreement among the the, the many candidates for president. And uh, of course, sometimes you look back and you think of what, what uh, Biden is saying and compared him to some of the things Republicans have said. Yeah. I, bet you could, I bet you could get a pretty good list of where they were together yeah. on most of this stuff. Now, I'm glad you brought that up, actually. I don't know if you watched any of that Blaze TV summit over the weekend that Tucker Carlson hosted. I watched some of it, and of course, on Twitter, it went crazy because he had Mike Pence on. And Tucker being great, you know, he said, um, well, you know, we're spending all these billions of dollars in Ukraine, and we're going to send more and more, and you want to send more and more. Uh, yeah, look at American cities. They're really a disaster. And, and, and Pence said, that's not my concern. <laughs> so, and it really, whether he misspoke or whatever the case was, 
the perception was that Mike Pence doesn't care about America. He only cares about war in Ukraine. And Nikki Haley similarly um, was was put on her back heels by Tucker. And Tim Scott was made to look extremely foolish. So it was pretty interesting uh, to watch that. It was pretty well done. Well, well, I watched the one interview with Pence because he made more news about yeah, it. Yeah, he did. I, but Pence has never been somebody that really excites people. Yeah. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> this, was, this was pretty bad. Yeah. But uh, I, I think after the first prime, you know, the first uh, polling or uh, first debate or something like that. I don't think he's going to be in for a long time. Yeah, he's going to have to raise Unless he's getting money. a lot of money from the military industrial complex. But, uh, I would think they were smart on that because as you say, nobody likes him. You probably have a hard time. He, his, his polls were real low before they made him vice president. Yeah. They, they resurrected him. Yeah. But what, what did they do? They put uh, 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 Kamala Harris in. And she was, she was the more she was out, even back then, she was more the, negative. She, she saw a swamp. The least know? popular of ever. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. They didn't want anyone to show up the boss. Right. I guess. Uh, <laughs> Well, I guess we, if you're ready, we can move on because yeah. this is interesting. And you wrote about it this week, too. But it really is worth a mention. It happened <coughs> on, uh, of course, uh, it was a Friday or Thursday. Put up that next clip. And it caught everyone's, it caught our attention for sure. Biden order activates 3,000 reservists for Europe deployments. You might say, well, 3,000, that's you know, a big deal, whatever. But they mobilized 3,000 U.S. military reservists. And they're sending them in support of the operation in Ukraine, and they're not going to Ukraine that we know of, uh, but they're part of that operation. So I don't know what it says. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, th th this is something that when you, when you look at it, you say, well, why are we doing this? Why? My first reaction was that uh, it's not going to help their uh, their enlistments. Yeah. You know, and that's they're they're living in the practical world, getting more grants to go out there and expose their lives. But uh, they they didn't that that didn't happen so much, and this will actually decrease the enlistment because I remember so clearly, and I'm sure you do too, about uh, all the family tragedies of, of uh, the Mideast wars that yeah. went on for 10, 15 years, you know, and it was it was always relying on reservists yeah. and the state guard and all these things that shouldn't be over there. They probably even had the Coast Guard over there, you yeah, know, no protecting our coast. Yeah. So that... Uh, that to, that to me is uh, uh, not, not not a help to for people to enlist, which is good news for us because people become uh, you know more more uh, attuned to this. But the, it's the other thing, though. It brings up the bigger subject that we deal with, you know, in the article and what I've done for years is should there be a draft? Yeah. yeah you know, and 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 one reason why I say always look out, and I've always told the story that. Uh, you know, I was very cautious about my career when I worked under the assumption, which would have been in the 60s, uh, that uh, I would be drafted. You know, not not in any serious manner, but that was sort of what happened. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, I, I was I was drafted into war, in, in, into a wartime period. I was not involved in it. So th this is uh, this is something that why why do they do this? Uh, and, and then we had a big fight in the 70s. The, the uh, draft was canceled, but then when they were bringing back registration, there was a big argument on the floor on registration, and I always took our position on that. And the, the position 
uh, always, I always wondered why, uh, why would you, uh, why do you have to register? Because I've heard too many stories that they had all our names yeah. and all our dates, oh, yeah. and they, they knew exactly where we were because they'd come find, oh, you didn't register, you know, for the draft. And uh, I, back then it was conservatives for, for registration and the draft, and I had one one very, very liberal Democrat came up to me who was against the draft. He said, you had the greatest argument <laughs> because I said, how come you're, you're against registering your gun, but you want to register your kids? Yeah. <laughs> so. That's a bumper sticker. That's a good one. <laughs> well, as if to emphasize what you're saying, I just, I just went to random, and I, this is a right-wing heritage uh, foundation, but they get it if you put this next one up. <coughs> you're right. I mean, your take is absolutely correct. The military recruiting crisis is getting worse, and this is their military guy. I don't, I don't know him. I don't know his work, but it's just to point out <clears throat> that this isn't going any better, and it's almost like a double whammy, Dr. Paul, because you have all the woke stuff that turns people off. Maybe it's a triple or a quadruple whammy. <clears throat> I think that's turning a lot of people off, and we've talked about that. We have the fact that the poverty draft is not as acute as it has been in the past. Uh, at least we're living under the illusion that there's still some sort of economic uh, you know, sense going on. But then you also have, uh, now you're going to start calling people up again? Because you're right, I mean, remember those stories. You know, some single mother, hey, I signed up to m do my one weekend a month for some extra milk money or something, and now <laughs> we're in Iraq for 10 years. And they like the idea of defending the homeland. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, we, yeah. We, we're willing to fight it. We're fighting up our homeland. Yeah. But no, they want to pick them up and march them over, overseas. But uh, we recently had sent 20,000. This is another 3,000 that we're sending. But I was a little shocked. We have over 100,000 in Europe. Wow. You wow. Know, and and, uh, you know, it's uh, it'd be sure, sure, uh, a, a blessing if we could just bring them home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing, the note I wrote to myself on this was, they have 100,000 over there. Why do they need us? Yeah. They need our money and our, we're broke. And yet the, this is why it raises question on when they really will dump on the dollar, which they eventually will have to. But why will they dump on the dollar when everybody needs them? Yeah. Because we, uh, you know, even though uh, Trump and others would say, why don't they pay their own way? It's, uh, it, it's the game they play. So to a point, they're not going to just, there'll be some of the people in government and in, in finances that won't want to kill the dollar. Yeah. And there may be some others of us who want sound money uh, think that is a good move that people reject it and they want to go to a market uh, type of, of uh, money which is not fiat. Yeah. Well, you talk about how many troops there are over there now, how many U.S. troops are over there. Now, for the conspiracy minded, <coughs> now you speak conspiracy theory, now all the conspiracies have come through, but you know, we were set to leave. Uh, 2014, there were v very, very few troops. We were pulling out of Germany for the most part, pulling out of the region, and then what happened in 2014? Oh, that's right, the coup in Ukraine. And they poured all the troops back in. So you almost have to wonder if the people who really control things, the military-industrial complex, aren't you know engineering these little things to justify their continued. And we have 10,000 in Poland. Yeah, yeah, that ought to be uh, Poland was uh, rather significant about the beginning of World War II. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when the fascists were fighting the communists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, well, I guess we can, if you're ready, we can move yeah. on to our last story. I don't know, Dr. Paul, did you, did you have any Bud Light over the, uh, 
over the uh, Independence Day well, weekend? Well, I'm always for the underdog, and Bud Light <laughs> has become the underdog. The underdog. <laughs> I had two beers in my life, and I got sick both times, uh -oh. so I'm not a beer drinker. But I feel sorry for Bud Light, <laughs> and I, I think I better go out and buy a six-pack. <laughs> uh oh don't tell Carol. <laughs> what, that, that, is, that is so crazy. Yeah. That, uh, I, it, 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 the thing that impresses me is it's so successful, the boycott, because boycotts have been tr tried before. Conservatives, religious groups have tried boycotts, and they've never gone anywhere. And then we see <clears throat> the other side passing out the wicked propaganda on the far left, and it has money behind it, sort of like a Soros machine, and control the media and all the things that they've done. And I always, uh, you know, uh, in a way, admired their ability to do that. And we, on the conservative libertarian side, hasn't happened. But it seems like it seems like the country woke up with COVID. Yeah. And they decided that they were going to stand up, and they started doing boycotts. And I, I think this is—it's unbelievable to me that they could, they could. Uh, get the attention of uh, of Disney. Yeah. And get the attention of of uh, Target and yeah. all these organs, you know, companies that. And then they they're so they're so blind. To, they they have no intention of changing. You know, Budweiser. They come up with a new manager and he doesn't do anything differently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it is really weird. But I just love the idea that these boycotts. Their bottom line. Eventually, there'll be more. More to stockholders are finally saying, "Hey, you're fun and games. We're over with you." Yeah, yeah. 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 And then they have <clears throat> they have all this wokeism that's uh, promoted by Larry Fink, uh, yeah. where they have control of finances. That's the big thing. If you don't do it our way and promote this environmentalism stuff, that uh, you're going to be punished. You never can get a loan from government. We're going to lock you out and yeah. all these things. And so that 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 is uh, uh, something that has to end. And I think. Uh, economically, I was always convinced from the very beginning, if you promote investments for social reasons and reasons that don't make any sense, that eventually you're going to get into financial trouble. And uh, I think there's hints of that already, but I would predict that that they're not going to do it. They're going to be on a road. There are some people that are, you know, that are trying to say, uh, I think some states are saying you you can't uh, put your money in, in these things to satisfy Larry, Larry Fink yeah. and, and that operation because uh, they're authoritarians and they're using the power of the purse, which is illegal and immoral, and say, we're going to deny you credit. Yeah. It's sort of... It's sort of like how the government worked with uh, uh, the social media on their propaganda and attack on First Amendment. So the, the two are together. So the use of government, government corporations, government authoritarians, and they're using it uh, to uh, uh, un undermine the rights of the individual. And uh, especially they're going after our economic liberties and also our First Amendment liberty. Yeah, they sure are. <laughs> Well, let's put this up. This is from the Daily Caller. You said it over this morning. This is what we're talking about. Bud Light sales collapse over July 4th <laughs> right. holiday. The numbers are in and over the July 4th <clears throat> holiday, which should have been a big holiday for Bud Light. All of those knuckle-dragging frat boys guzzling Bud Light while putting on their fireworks. Well, guess what? They did not guzzle Bud Light. And if you go to the next one, they were doing something else because we can see here, this is again the Daily Caller, Bud Light sales suffered a major decline over the July 4th holiday weekend. As the boycott against the brand continues, Bud Light sales plunged by 23.6% in 
in one week, ending July 8th compared to 22, according to Nielsen <coughs> IQ dollar sales data provided to the Daily Caller. So they have absolutely cratered. It shows no sign of slowing. As you point out, it is almost like a David and Goliath because uh, boycotts <coughs> tend to not work that well. I think one factor, two factors I would suggest, Dr. Paul, number one, Americans are very tolerant, but I think they do reach a breaking point where they've had enough and the stuff has been shoved in their face for long enough. They finally said, I can do something about it. And I think that with a combination of Twitter going to a more free speech model and allowing people to talk about this stuff, I think has been, I and mean, no wonder, you know, when Macron was facing those uh, protests in France, he wanted to shut down Twitter, <laughs> shut down social media. That's what totalitarians do. That's why they did it here in the U.S. So when people were finally able to communicate with each other, they all said, hey, you're thinking what I think, and you're thinking what I think, and boom, there goes the boycott. You know, the group that really got upset at this are the, uh, uh, the people who, disagree with this radical transgenderism yeah. because that's a small percentage and yet they're 90% of the uh, justification to make everybody feel guilty for uh, violating their civil liberties. But they never ask the question, well, maybe these one or two or three percent of the people are demanding their special privileges. Yeah. Maybe they get it at the expense of violating somebody else's liberty, the 98%. Yeah. That's why they're, the people are, are, are waking up. And, and I, I, think, uh, I think this is, is good. Now, there's some companies that benefited by this. Oh, yeah. Even a Texas company, Coors Light, oh. <laughs> they did well. And then Miller's Light, I don't know where they're from, but they had 30 and 25% increases uh, in, in sales. So, uh, so, so far they're, maybe they've learned a lesson. Yeah. You know, you know uh, someday you're gonna see not just avoiding preaching that nonsense, there's somebody's going to start a company and, and say this is what we believe in yeah. <laughs> you know so but well, I, I think it was i think it's great that that boycott has an effect and it's a nonviolent approach and uh it's a very very important issue uh in some ways uh, the resistance to war and i'm thinking of the 60s the resistance to uh Vietnam uh, is a little messier, but still, it was the people finally said, "We've had enough of this war." Yeah. And uh, I said, "I wish they would say because when when we started talking about uh, Ukraine, it was be before they had anything visible yet. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know. And even with the with the revolution, the the coup in 2014, and here it is. Wait, what date is this? 23, yeah. and it's. Still because going. what when when did uh, Russia take over uh, the uh, they started the operation in February of 22 yeah, yeah. but then they immediately took some of uh, Ukraine back yeah yeah in 2014 well you know I'm not a big Bud Light drinker Dr. Paul when I, <laughs> when I cut the grass though I did used to like to have a Michelada which I think are great I don't drink it from them anymore probably shouldn't have any at all but nevertheless <laughs> I, I guess I'm an old-fashioned guy because I didn't like the stuff they were pulling here but uh, with this influencer or whatever. But I also didn't like the scantily clad bikini stuff when they were selling the Bud Light. So I kind of don't like it on either side, I guess. I don't know. But, but it's not just Bud Light. Let's put this next one on because, uh, and I don't know the exact numbers. I, I could look them up, but I think this guy made a good point. It's not just Bud Light. Bud Light parent Anheuser-Busch's stock lost $27 billion over this ad fiasco. Target has lost $15 billion 
in market value since their tuck-friendly swimwear controversy. Disney lost $900 million on its last eight woke <laughs> studio releases. Ben & Jerry's parent company lost nearly $2 billion in market cap since their July 4th tweet about stolen indigenous land. And this uh, tweet, uh, tweeter says, we are pro proving once again, go woke and you go broke. And here's a couple of things on Disney, uh, because you mentioned it, <coughs> if you can't put the next one up. And we both noticed this, Walt Disney World crowds vanish. The parks are at their emptiest in 10 years. And there's some pictures along with this that are surprising. Uh, and you wonder why? Well, maybe it has something to do with this next picture because I think parents are just not feeling like it is the kind of place you want to take your kids anymore. So who knows? But the boycotts are working. People are voting <coughs> with their dollars. That's the beauty of the market economy, right? That's it. Yeah. But their goals may be so different than ours we can't quite visualize because uh, most people think other people really generally want good things to happen and have peace and quiet. But there are some people who want to destroy, you know, our whole culture. Yeah. And, and the purpose is to destroy the economy and the culture as an ulterior motive for bringing in the real liberties of fascism yeah. and corporatism and all that stuff. So, uh, and that's why some of these uh, reactions to it are very, very healthy. Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it going. Well, here's my Monday thought for the day, if you can put this next one up. We're halfway through July. You've got half of the month left to get your discounted tickets to our September 2nd conference, Which Way America. A lot of great speakers. Colonel Doug McGregor. I noticed you mentioned him in your column today. Been our friend for many, many years. He's going to give a great talk. Max Blumenthal, Anya Parampil. <coughs> Jeff Deist is going to be with us. I talked to Jeff over the weekend, our good friend. Um, it's going to be a great event. So you're going to want to be there. You're going to want to meet like-minded people. That's the most important part of the conference. I'll put the link in when we finish the show, but if you're too anxious to get your tickets, that's no problem. Just go to ronpaulinstitute.org and you'll see in the upper right-hand corner a big photo that looks exactly like this photo because it is this photo. Click on it and get your tickets. Dr. Paul? Very good. Well, time moves quickly and our our conference is going to come up rather soon, so I too urge many or all of you that can come that we will welcome you there because I always have a good time there. And I go because uh, I've asked to go and asked to say a few words, but I really go to meet people and hear what they're thinking about. And uh, I will get a lot of questions and I think it's better a way to learn than to pretend that you know everything and you're going to tell everybody else what to do. So it's a communication that I like and the conferences have always been very favorable and, and uh, the people, we, we see a lot of the same people that come back and that's good, but we see a lot of new people too and that's very good and I really enjoy seeing young people coming and, uh, and uh, like, like so many of our other conferences, I look forward to seeing many of you there. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.